following message was recorded at Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org. Every day is a new day, right? Every day is a new day. I know I say that every month and I'm up here, and I, but it's just, uh, let's not forget. Uh, whatever you walk through those doors with today, just know that God's tender mercies are new every single morning, okay? Uh, amen. Uh, and I need to hear that message every day. Preaching the gospel to yourself every day is an important part of your walk because uh, the enemy would love, we're going to talk about that a lot today, He's gonna, he would love to have you start letting doubt creep in and, and not listening to the word and to the spirit. So I'm humbled and privileged to be here today to share what the Lord has uh, brought to me and taught me this, uh, for this month and uh, thankful for that. Uh, today is Communion Sunday, uh, as Rob mentioned and Braun in the announcements, and uh, it's important for us to reflect and remember today uh, what this is all about. And so as uh, the service goes on, would you take time to think about those things, to remember what Christ did for us, to uh, examine yourself, examine your heart, and pray through those things that you might have challenges with. Confess those things to the Lord. Um, consider that you might not be in the, in the right frame of your heart to come take communion today because you have uh, a concern with another that you need to rectify and reconcile. And that's okay. That's better than going through the motions. So um, think about that today and, 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 and uh, remember. Um, today's message is going to be titled, Anything is Possible with God. Um, and uh, I'm just thankful to, that the Lord kind of illuminated that part to me because uh, it doesn't really seem like it would fit um, but in actually, in every way, it does fit. And so before we uh, go into the text, and uh, uh, I want to pray, uh, if you would, I'd like to open up in prayer. Uh, and so um, let's bow our hearts before the Lord. Good morning, Heavenly Father. Praise your holy name. Bless your holy name, God. We come before you in this, this place humbly. We open our hearts to you this morning. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to speak to us. Please, Holy Spirit, move in this place. Touch hearts in ways that are profound and deep and forever. Lord, we are grateful for another day. We are thankful for another breath. We know that you are sovereign, that you are our provider of all things, that you are the creator of all life, and most of all, you are our redeemer. Lord, we come before you today humbly in a way that gives us an opportunity to receive whatever it is, whatever part of this message that you want to us to receive. Speak through me, please, your humble servant. Please, Lord, 
that I might share what it is that you want me to share. Lord, help each one of us to recognize it's not about us. Whatever we're encountering, it's not about us, but it's about you. Forgive us, God, when we have fallen short and each of us knows that we have in some way. Cleanse our hearts and our minds right now. Please, God, that we might confess those things and come before you in a stance that is prepared and ready for you to use us fully, however you see fit. We know you don't need us, but we're thankful that you care to, that you're mindful of us. Lord, we are so very thankful for all you provide. And we pray, Lord, we pray for, for, our, for our friends, our brothers, Fred and his ailments and concerns. Lord, please provide strength and healing. Give him perseverance through these moments and clarity. And for his bride, Cindy, that she would also persevere and continue to be the, the blessing that she is. Bring answers in this season. We pray, Lord, for Miss Beverly and her circumstances that you would provide peace in those moments, care, and coverage. And Father, we pray for all those who are not here today that might be traveling, like Dave and Sarah and their family, and Jerry and Leanne, and others as well, I'm sure. Minister to their needs as they go. And Father, there are so many things. We pray for the marriages here in this, represented in this place. Marriages cannot survive without you being the center, Lord. It's not about the husband or the wife. It's not about submission or control. It's about submission to you and your way, your teaching, your leadership, Jesus, our King. We pray for strained relationships that might exist, and we pray, God, that you would heal those, that you would provide the words to say and the answers that are necessary, and that it would shine lights towards you. And Lord, we thank you for all those who are preparing and serving here today in this church body, the blessings that they are, the humble servants that they are, for the music, for all those in in and the kitchen who are serving, the welcoming, all the back of the house, electronics. Lord, you orchestrate it all. Praise your name. And God, as we go forward today, may we be reminded and never forget that we are here to shine for you and for your glory. May this message, may these words that come out of my mouth be a blessing to you, to give you glory, and bless others for your glory only. And it's in your name, Jesus, that we pray these things. Amen. Okay. So, uh, the shine message today, the, the, the theme of shine, uh, is going to be starting in, in Matthew 13. Um, and uh, it's, uh, it's, a, it's an amazing parable. Uh, I am going to read the text. Um, and it's actually in two sections. Uh, and normally I ask you to stand, and I will, because it's the Word of God, and to show honor and respect of His Word. But it's a little long, and so uh, I'm giving you, uh, 
I'm giving you a chance to, uh, to opt out today because it's a little long. Um, but for those who are able and are willing, if you would please rise and let's uh, go ahead and honor God through his uh, precious word. It's Matthew 13, starting in verse 24 through 30, and then we jump to 36 to 43. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servants said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, no, lest in the gathering the weeds you root up, the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my, bar- into my barn. And we jump to verse 36. Then he left the crowds and went into the house, and his disciples came to him saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the son of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send His angels, and they will gather out of His kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who hears, who has ears, let him hear. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thank you. I believe it's appropriate. Uh, The focus of this message is on parts of our lives that can be choked out by weeds. It chokes out our relationship with God, the weeds of life, I guess you could say, Uh, given that our theme is shine, and uh, it's appropriate that we would uh, have to kind of uh, overcome those weeds in order for the light to to shine. And so it's what God calls us to be. We talked about that last month, that we are salt and light. Jesus said so. And I know when I stand up here that everybody has some concern, some stress, some difficulty. I don't have to ask, how's that going? Because that's the way life is. And so I don't mean to be dismissive of that, but let me encourage you straight away. The Lord's with you. Never forget. When you leave this building, be excited about what the Lord is doing in your life, no matter where you're walking, because you are called to be the salt and the light. And you may already know that and say, yeah, I know that. You know, don't forget it. Don't get complacent. That's my problem. I do it all the time. Recognize that you're blessed and you are equipped to shine his light no matter where you are. But we must be intentional each day. Uh, 
In many ways, uh, we see that in our different areas of life that we can move through mindlessly. It is something that I observed years ago in my own life, and I share this often because I don't want you to fall into the same trap where you think you're in a good place, but you're not being intentional. You're not being diligent with your prayer time, guarding it, being intentional in the Word. A.W. Tozer, a famous theologian, once wrote that every man is as close to God as he wants to be. I believe that. I believe that to be true. But being mindless or kind of going through the motions can be a recipe for disaster, not just in our relationship with God, but in our everyday relationships as well. We have to be intentional. We have to be specific. We have to invest time into those relationships. And that is so much more the case with our relationship with God, our blessed Redeemer and Provider. How can we not be moved by what He has done for us? When He's demonstrated His love on the cross, with the sin of the world being nailed to that cross, and there's nothing more that He needs to do. And so for us to shine truly is to dwell in that word, in prayer, in our investment of time, to know his heart. We must know his word. This morning, in our discussion before, it was brought up about how small a percentage of people actually read their Bible on a regular basis. The Word of God provides us with more and more details of how we can live in a close, intimate relationship with Him. But we've got to be intentional. So let me encourage you today, no matter where you were yesterday or even this morning, that today is a new day. Pick it up. Pick up that Bible. Be intentional. Be specific. And if you are, look for those blind spots. Pray for those blind spots. Don't let there be blind spots in your life. This is the day the Lord has made, and we are here to rejoice and to be glad in it. Don't listen to the enemy's lies. Don't be in doubt or let negativity creep in. Trust. It's easy to say. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do you believe that? Praise the Lord for one important point. We are not self-sufficient. We are God-dependent. And the sooner we come to that realization that we can't do this on our own, that we need Him, that we can do nothing without Him, the better off we'll be. And then it takes us to where we find the theme of this message that we can do anything, that anything is possible with God. We're going to be talking about transformation today. We're going to be talking about wheat and weeds and the transformation that only God can do. So keep going. Keep walking in faith. Keep asking God to increase your faith and be ready for the roller coaster ride. I don't know how many of you like roller coasters. I pretty much don't even really fit on them anymore. But um, that's another story. The worst part of the roller coaster for me is the starting point. You know, like the anticipation of death, I think, is not good. So I never liked it. Once we get going, I'm okay. Like, you know, my heart beating out of my chest or whatever. And it's over fairly quickly. And uh, 
but our life can be like that. There's a lot of the tick, 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 anticipation that's happening in our lives and we worry and we get upset and we hold on with a death grip. God says, let go. Trust him. He's with you. He'll see you through. It's not going to be all sunshine and rainbows. That's not what I'm saying. But he will see you through. And on the other side, you can have joy in knowing that the Lord is with you, that he has come for you. So don't let one day, one bad day, one bad week, one bad month get in the way of your close personal relationship with our Heavenly Father. No matter where you are, be encouraged. If you're hearing this online, be encouraged. Jesus paid our debt. Full, in full. And we can be in a personal, perfect relationship with our God, our Creator, because of that, our Heavenly Father. As we dive into this theme a little further today, let's look at some context. We're going to be in Matthew 13, the latter part of Matthew 13, but the early parts of Matthew 13 are important, and we won't spend too much time in it because, well, it gets dark at 8. The the text for today was taking place during Jesus' ministry. Um, He's been teaching at great length in earlier chapters. Uh, He taught about the Beatitudes in chapter 5. He explained that we're salt and light in chapter 6 of Matthew. Uh, Difficult subjects in the later chapters afterwards about murder and adultery, giving to the needy, how to pray, the priorities we should have in life, not worrying, uh, not judging others. He created quite a frenzy, he did. And he created what I would say is friction, understatement probably, with the Jewish leadership. Then he begins to perform miracles in Matthew uh, in the chapters before 13. He heals sick and blind. He casts out demons. He sends his disciples out to begin the work of sharing and spreading the gospel message. Then he transitions. His ministry transitions into teaching in parables. These are essentially worldly understandings with a spiritual lesson, with a godly lesson in it. And so we see that here in the early part of chapter 13, the parable of the sower, which I think many of us are very familiar with. And that is an entire message in and of itself. I don't have time for that one. We won't be here today for that. But it does show how important the state of our heart is to receive the gospel message and how our salvation is demonstrated by our choices and our actions after hearing the gospel message. So that'll be for a different day. But today's focus is going to be on the par- what's called the parable of the wheat and the weeds. Or some translations call it the parable of the weeds. Some call it the parable of the wheat and the tares. T-A-R-E-S. Is actually two parts. And so that's the verses that I read earlier. The first part, 24 to 30, is Jesus giving the parable to a group of people. And then to his disciples, he explains it. Thank God. 
Thank you, God, for explaining it. Thank you, Jesus. And we talked about this morning as well. He doesn't always do that. Or at least so clearly. So lucky for me. So the, our verse for, for this month is, is verse 43. Um, the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. And so I know, I'm, I'm thinking, well, how do, I, how do I kind of move this message from wheat and weeds to the light? And how am I going to do it in a reasonable amount of time? And we have 15 verses to cover. And you know that I kind of ramble and get long-winded and it brought me to the theme of the message that anything is possible. With God. So let's go. All right, so verse 24 is where we're going to begin. Uh, I'm going to read the verse and then how Jesus essentially addresses it in the later verse. So hopefully it's not too confusing. I think the slides are pretty straightforward. I try to put them in the order that I'm going to kind of try to touch on those. So if I jump around at all, it's my fault. I take full blame. But verse 24 Uh, Jesus says, uh, he put another parable before them, saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in the field. And then later he answers them by saying in 37 and 38, A, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man, the field is the world, and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. He explains here that he is the sower of the good seed. It's his field. The field is the world, okay? And it's within his kingdom. Jesus is pointing to the fact that he is God, and he's making it clear that the world is his. And so is this not an issue for some of us who think that we're God, and it's our world? And even if just a little bit, but it's the trusting in the fact that he is God, and that it's his kingdom and his world there's a famous theologian by the name of abraham kuyper who is uh from uh he was he was dutch he was a politician and he started he was the founder of a university uh, and a believer an apologist and he has a famous quote and so in his famous speech opening the free university in 1880 that's what it was called the free university Abraham Kuyper said this, There's not a square inch in the whole domain of human existence over which Christ, who is Lord over all, does not exclaim, Mine! Exclamation point. It illustrates that it is, indeed, His. The Word is enough. But we see others who help us to understand it. That Jesus is... Not talking about the church here. He's talking about the world, his world. And so are we recognizing daily that everything we see, feel, smell, taste, and touch is from the Lord? That it all exists because he created it, that he himself, he, his sovereign, he's Lord over all. I need to hear that daily. I don't know about you. It doesn't take much for us to get off dead center and think that we're in control. 
and to try to usurp control from our God. But when we come to that conclusion that it's all His, doesn't that humble us? Humbles me. In and of itself, it's challenging. And this is just the beginning. Because Jesus is scattering the seeds. And so should we. Verse 25 and 6 goes on to say, But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And again, he explained in 38 and 9, Jesus says, The field is the world, the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. 38 and 39 should open your eyes. It's so good, it's so clear. I know this is a shine message. But verses 38 and 39 bring clarity that there is a judgment. And we'll come back to that. He clearly states that there is an enemy. The evil one. He's intent on destruction. That literally there's two kingdoms operating within one. While we wait for Jesus' return, the enemy is using slick, clever moves. Subtle moves. Methods to destroy people. To tell them lies. As I stated, there is a, another title given to this called The Wheat and the Tares. T-A-R-E-S. This is very illustrative of the fact that when Jesus says that the wheat represents the children of God, it's encouraging that the tares that grow, those are the imposters. See, the tares, and this is a, something that I learned throughout this process, tares are common in the Middle East. And they look exactly like wheat from the ground up until they bear fruit or don't bear fruit. They start off closely resembling wheat in the early growing period. Almost indistinguishable. They're called Darnell weed. Some call them false wheat. The roots become intertwined with the roots of the true wheat. Is that not an illustration of where we sit and stand in our lives today? It does in explain that the kingdom of God is intermingled with and includes both true and false believers. One other side note about tares, if that is it's ingested, it's poison. Now that is a slick, clever move. If the harvester is not aware 
that the good wheat is mixed with the tares, it'll be harmful not only for its lack of useful wheat, but in its poisonous state. It's no secret the enemy is clever, cunning, sinister, and his intention is to destroy us. In John 10, 10, which we probably all know this verse, but do we take it seriously that the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy? And maybe we don't sense him in the physical way. It's a spiritual battle as well. Ephesians 6.12. Paul explains, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We're not always going to see it, feel it, touch it, smell it. Paul, Peter tells us in, in 1 Peter 5 to be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. I don't know how many guys you've seen on YouTube who live with lions and think it's okay, but I would go with the norm, which is it's not. And this is an illustration of that. We have to be on guard. The thief will sneak in. Especially where there's darkness. If there's a dark blind spot in our lives. This reminds me of a recent crime that took place I believe it was in South Florida where a thief had broken into a house. Uh, it was late at night. He was shining his light, limited flashlight, looking for valuables. And he heard a faint voice say, Jesus knows you're here. The thief froze. He continued on. And he's rifling through the jewelry. He hears, Jesus is watching you. So he's startled. He turns around. He shines the light across the room. And there's a parrot in a cage. The thief says, hey, was that you talking? And the parrot says, yes. I'm just trying to tell you Jesus is watching you. The thief became relieved. And he says, "Uh, so you're warning me, huh? So just who are you? And the parrot says, I'm Moses. And the thief laughed. And he said, Moses, what kind of a person would, who would name their bird Moses? And the parrot said, the same kind of person who would name their pit bull Jesus. But seriously, the thief does come to kill, steal, and destroy. And it is in the darkness and in the moments of weakness and blind spots. And we have to remember the battle is ongoing and we must be prepared. One of my old law school professors taught me a great lesson about preparation. And I'm sure she didn't invent this 
this comment. I've heard it elsewhere. But she said to me, as she pointed at me and said, success is when opportunity and preparation meet. We must be prepared for the enemy. 1 Peter 3, 15 says, But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. You do it with gentleness and respect. We must be intentional intentional about standing firm. We must be intentional about resisting the enemy. Being grounded in the word. Finding joy in the journey because the victory is already won. 1 Peter 5, 9-11. Resist him. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to the eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Resist him. Firm in your faith. There will be trials. There will be struggle. A point of application is to ask, how do you view yourself in this spiritual battle? Do you see yourself as a child of God who is in the battle for life and death? Do you realize that every day you may very well happen, have an opportunity to save a life? Not their physical life, although that could be but their spiritual, eternal life. Are you spreading seed? Are you available to provide water and nourishment where necessary? Will you seek the position of strength in this battle through prayer, meditation, and study of God's Word and listening What needs to happen? What needs to change in your life that you might grow in your preparation? We move to verse 27 through 29. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No. Lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. And he addresses this, Jesus addresses this in verse 40. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. Reminds us that there will be the intermingling of good and bad. We see that on a daily basis. But what we, f- we often are we fall short on is recognizing that it's many, there are many amongst us who claim to be followers of Christ. But the enemy has used them as a subtle, slick, clever, sinister way to put doubt in believers' minds. Jesus says the harvesting is mine. The harvesting that takes place is going to be my angels that I send 
The judgment is mine, not ours, his. So this brings to mind some history. Of course, we know that the Romans were involved in the crucifixion. It was their form of punishment that Jesus was put on the cross. Many were killed and persecuted in horrendous ways. Peter and Paul both under the Emperor Nero after Christ. Emperor Diocletian later on in the early late 200s, 200s, early 300s also was purging Christians. But only a mere 30 years later we see Constantine, the emperor of the Roman Empire, which is in decline, who goes on a, in, in, in this epic battle, and he has a vision before this battle, and he sees Jesus, who essentially is telling him what to do. This is his vision, and his vision is to go out there and put Christian symbols on the shields. And they prevail when they are outnumbered. And it is from that that the Roman Empire made Christianity legal just with, along with all of their other pagan religions. And, about, and that was about 330 A.D. So 300 years after the death of Christ, where Christians are being persecuted and killed for their beliefs, now Christianity is okay. It's elevated. He issues this edict of Milan. Several years later, as this is, continues under the emperor Theodosius, he issues an edict in Thessalonica where Christianity is now the state religion of the Roman Empire. And in our minds, in our hearts, we might think that's great. But as we know from history, every situation that was similar to that where the government used any religion for that matter, but in particular Christianity was a failure. There was corruption, abuse, control, persuasion, forced conversions. We see this for centuries until the Reformation where Martin Luther speaks up and says, there's something wrong here. This is showing how the enemy would use the Christianity that's on its face as good and put it into a place where it was propped up and became weeds. Good and bad happening in God's kingdom at the same time. It's no different today. We have false prophets. We have false teachers. We have our current culture. I'm not even talking about our current culture where there is direct opposition to the word of God. They're clearly not reading the Bible. I'm talking about counterfeit Christianity in our midst. It's real. Counterfeiting is real. It's kind of an oxymoron. Have any of you ever seen the movie Catch Me If You Can? So based on a true story of a, of a guy by the name of Frank Abagnale, and I'm not meant to glorify this movie, but he had a very weird upbringing, very smart, obviously, and he used his brains for bad things, and he became the world-class counterfeiter. And he became 
an assistant pilot with Pan Am Airlines, and he became a lawyer and a doctor. And he fooled everyone for years, and the FBI was on his trail. The truth of it is it took him many years to figure it out because he was the best counterfeiter. He knew every intricacy, even down to the numbers for the banks where his checks were being processed. Incredible story. He was caught. He actually became a a benefit to the federal government to seek out counterfeiters. But it just illustrates that counterfeiting is real, that the intricacies, the cleverness of the enemy is profound. And that's not for us to do the harvesting and the throwing them into the fiery furnace. That's for God. God will do the reckoning. So how in the world can we tell the difference between this sleight of hand that the enemy is putting forward? I think you know the answer. Dwell. Abide. Abide in him. Abide in his word. Guard your prayer time. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 is not in the slides. I apologize. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. That's your calling. We know in John 15, 4, Jesus was clear. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. It's clear. Abide, dwell, pray. Allow the Holy Spirit to lead us. Jesus promised the Holy Spirit would come. Do we take that seriously? That he's within us. John 14, 15 through 17. If you love me, Jesus said, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. That's us. True believers, the spirit is in you. The same Holy Spirit of God. How lightly are we taking that? Because we are empowered to understand what the Holy Spirit is moving us to do. He teaches us. He instructs us. He will break our heart when we realize that some are following false teaching and lies. Lord God, please break our heart for what breaks yours. Open our hearts. Show us. Teach us. Inspire us. Strengthen us. Please, God, help us to produce fruit, to be patient Boy, do I need patience. Help us to know and understand that you are at work whether we see it or not. And praise you, God, for what you're doing. Verse 30. Jesus goes on to say, Let both grow together until the harvest, and at the harvest time I will tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned. But gather the weed into my barn. And he explains in 41 and 42 that the Son of Man will send his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers 
and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. We are not the harvesters. We are not the judge. How do we deal with this? Will you pray? And what will you pray for? Do you realize that there are those in your circles of life right now that can only come to know Jesus and avoid the fiery furnace by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you can't do it. I can't do it. Anything is possible with God. The transformation from weeds to wheat can only take place by the power of the Holy Spirit. You can spread good seed that Jesus imparts into your life. You all were once weeds, me too, and we've been transformed. Praise God for that. As I mentioned in John 15, you can't do it. You need the Holy Spirit. But remember, there will be a judgment. That fiery furnace is not make-believe. Judgment delayed is not judgment denied. You see, God is giving others time to find him. They're, he's pursuing them to open their eyes, to have the veil unlifted up that they might see. He's a loving God, but he's a just God, and there will be a judgment. Sin's going to exist, but God reserves the right to judge, and he will. He will root out the weeds. And you see, he can only do it because we know that the tares intertwine with the wheat. And if they do, if you or I try to pull those up, we might be pulling up wheat when we didn't intend to. It's not for us to judge. Only the harvester will know the difference between the weeds and the wheat. Does that make sense? I hope. Paul tells us to examine our heart. In 2 Corinthians 13, 5, he says, Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves, or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail to meet the test. Psalm 139, 23, and 24 address this as, as, uh, as well. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. It's not about us. Praise God. I'm glad that I can't do it. It takes the pressure off, because I am so flawed I can't believe I'm standing up here sometimes. Well, what can I do? I can pray. What can you do? You can pray that God will use you for his glory. As I said earlier, he doesn't need you. Don't let that hurt your feelings. He's God. He's the creator of everything, the universe. But he desires you. He's mindful of you. He cares for you. And when you are truly seeking and you know his word, he wants to use you. He wants you to help expand his kingdom. 
Ask God to help you to be inspired, to love His Word. Ask God to remove the log in your eye. Seek His wisdom. Seek the purpose for yourself that He has inspired and has given for you. Stand firmly. Be winsome, gentle, and respectful. It's tough. It's a tough thing in our current culture. We like to cross over, and sometimes we cross over into that moment when we, we're active or we're activists. But are we, are we hurting our witness in doing so? Are we listening to the Spirit? Are we listening to the words of God? And that takes us to verse 43. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears, let him hear. We must listen. Those believers who follow Jesus closely and abide in him will produce fruit amongst the weeds. They will shine the light of Jesus for the world to see. So never forget that the gospel will always be more powerful than any other power in the world, including the power of the enemy. Do you believe that? We even see this allusion to light in the Old Testament. If you go to the book of Daniel, he's interpreting the end times in chapter 12. He's referring to Michael the archangel in this epic battle with Satan. The followers of God are going to be delivered and the true followers of God will shine like the sun. The light that shines will bring others to righteousness, not in our strength, but through God's. So in that, those verses, Daniel 12, 1 through 3, at the time shall arise Michael, the great prince who has charge of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never has been seen there was a nation till that time. But at that time, your people shall be delivered. Everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. Some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above. And those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. If you go to Revelations 21, verse 23, which is sadly is not in your slides. The new Jerusalem is coming. And it speaks the city, and the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it. For the glory of God give it light, and its light is the Lamb. This is it. This is the conclusion. You see, God loves us behind, beyond our imagination. And it seems that uh, maybe it's hopeless at times. The world we live in can seem hopeless sometimes when we have the audacity to watch the news. But we know the truth. We know the truth. The victory is won. We know that the light that is shining is not our own. And it's not the sun. And it's not the moon. 
It's God. First John 5, 4 and 5. I've shared this verse before this year. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? That's the good news. I should say, that's the good news. Anything is possible with God in this world which has evil and negativity. When we abide in the Lord and when we have the presence of God deeply embedded in our hearts, we will shine. To others, both believers and non-believers, we will shine the light of God. And a quick review of last month's memory verse, Matthew 5, 14 and 16. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the stand, on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. We are the light of the world. We are called to shine. The judgment is not ours. The harvesting is not ours. It's God's. Our responsibility is to be the light we're called to be. In the weeds, even in among the weeds, we should stand firm and shine the light of Jesus no matter what. Christ has commissioned us to be the light and salt in this world. We have no option but to obey. That is R.C. Sproul. In the end, God and his angels will sift the wheat from the tares. Trusting God in all things includes letting God be the judge of others. Recognizing that you are light of the world. Being intentional this, this month, this week, today, tomorrow. Will you take that to heart? Will you seek the blind spots in your life? I'll go ahead and call the worship team up as I finish up. Remember that you are the light of the world. And as you're preparing for communion, please take to heart what I shared with you this morning. And if you have a, a place in your heart that is darkened by negativity or sin or, or something that you're unforgiving about, please confess it. Consider that the, the price that Jesus paid on the cross, we have no right to come before him in communion until we've forgiven. If you are a believer here today and you need to recommit yourself, please do it. Whether it be before you come up for communion or after service, meet with Pastor Colin or myself or Rob or anyone in leadership. If you're new and if you've never experienced the blessing of a relationship with Christ, don't leave here today without letting somebody pray with you and encourage you to share with you. If you're being stirred by the Spirit, praise God. Don't let it slip away. God is good all the time. 
and all the time, God is good. I love you guys. Lord bless you all. Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org.